It's your calling with Terry Whitehead and Vince Tracy. Items in the news that you might have missed. Europe calling. So with our weather being uh, hot, to say the very least, into the 40s locally, um, but not as oppressive as it could be, I suppose. Let's go west about uh, three quarters of an hour and find out how Terry is. So a very good day. Welcome to you, Terry. Is it uh, very hot where you are? It's it's been quite hot today, yeah. It's uh, I just literally got back into my office so I can... Shove some fans and air come on, so relax a little bit. Not too, it's not, they're not been too bad. Not been too bad. Okay, well, I better preface everything with our date. It's the 10th of August 2023, and uh, let's see if we can find things for you that either you've not known about or maybe not sort of heard a lot about. So, um, we'll start with this one. So we're looking at the COPE news agency here in Spain. And it's something that's being claimed as like a miracle, if not a miracle. Uh, For the girl, it's been a great event. Let's say a miracle. I would not give her more eloquence or less eloquence. It is a beautiful fact. This is according to a cardinal and a nun who knows the family of the girl told them what had happened. I said, I think it's great. There has been a miracle. They gave me the phone number and I called the girl. Hey, tell me what happened. I mean, this really does sound as if it's uh, uh, the cleric, uh, the clerics talking. But uh, this is the way it's written. And it was revealed by the bishop. He recounted how the girl informed him that she woke up, as always, on Saturday morning with terrible blurry vision, uh, just as she had done for the past two years. So, what's it all about? Um, Apparently, more than a couple of years ago, uh, this young lady suffered a loss of vision due to a myopia problem until she was left with only 5% vision. And um, she explained that she couldn't use her mobile phone. Everything was done uh, via audio. For this reason, she said... Uh, She decided to pray a novena to the Virgin de las Nieves, whose feast is celebrated on August the 5th. It just happened to coincide with the World Youth Day, which is, as you might know, in Portugal. Uh, And we asked all the young people to ask for my cure. And today I see perfectly. I don't know how to explain it. And, uh, you know, um, whether or not that's something that particularly everybody will subscribe to, I'm pretty sure many won't. But it's a big um, event for the world youth. Uh, The Pope's there and obviously lots of praying going on, uh, etc. She travelled there, this particular girl, with a group from Opus Dei and an audio file that she released, the 16-year-old girl, Um, continued to explain, I read the prayer in which we've been praying for the novena. I read it a little slowly, but I haven't forgotten it completely. And she felt super happy and that August the 5th was her new birthday. Now, um, I'm not too sure whether or not that would be something that you would particularly immediately believe in. But, um, you know, a lot of people are looking for inspiration of many different fronts and obviously this is a big event and if you're going to have um something like a miracle it's not a bad place to have one in oh it's it's <laughs> if you want some publicity just, just dream up a miracle you can't go wrong it's what we're lucky at praying to the right god for god's sake sure that was yeah. very good i mean doubtful she'd have had the same result with perhaps praying to another god but who knows you never know um you know what I think about these things, Vince. Yeah. I don't think I need any more comment. 
Well, look, uh, the thing is, Terry, whether or not I believe and you don't believe, etc., etc., it doesn't really matter, um, because basically there is enough evidence to see that there are some rather strange things happening in many places where the the affinity is to the mother of Jesus in, in, in the Catholic and the Christian faith. Now, whether it's just an amount of people who basically want and need something to believe in, there does seem to be a lot of evidence now that some very strange things have been happening in such places around the globe for quite a while. And of course, um, there are those people that will reference everything according to the holy books um, and the scriptures that have already been written. And, you know, if it's something that has already been written and yet the events seem to be occurring, then I would have thought it would be at least worthy of note. Um, you know, that. Well, of course. But what about the events that uh, occur after praying to Allah and to, um, and to and then the Himalayas and the Nepalese and the, the Hindu gods and the Buddha? Well, we don't hear that uh, much all of those. The different things that, that uh, happen there. How do we uh, how do we apportion that? For me, I don't have a problem with any of them. I mean, if uh, if you've got a faith, uh, I I would believe that, even though mine's the Christian faith, I, I would believe that anybody who has a faith, be it what it might be, if it's strong enough and if it's a genuine faith, I can't really see a creator that would be totally uh, delineating only by one particular brand or mark or whatever we want to call it. Um, you know, I, I think that if you've got good people, the good people in whatever they believe in, that's what I believe. You're quite right. But then when you get the bulk of the wars ever fought in this world have been fought in the name of whoever's God you pray to. And they weren't always won by the same side. So where do you go with that? For me, Terry, I think the problem is that um, everybody, I'm not just saying uh, us, but uh, everybody can easily confuse a religion with the number of people who basically want to use that religion for whatever their purposes. And There are some very devious people who use religion for, for financial gain. Well, look, come on, you, you know, you, you only have to look at um, the, the, the Vatican, you only have to look at um, yeah. any, any of the other major religions to realise that it's, a lot of this is about money. Um, but, you, you know, I think there are some things that people are talking about that would appear worthy of actually... Um, I take note of these things. I don't necessarily always think that this has happened or that's happened, but I think... Well, you know, if, 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 if I suddenly recovered from some dreadful and afflictive yeah. disease or whatever, it'd be very easy for me to park on the fact of, of my belief in a certain deity, wouldn't it? And if I'd be brains in me, that's exactly what I'd do, because I can certainly get some um, coverage as per the one you're reading about. And, and some fame, etc. Oh, yeah, of course, you know where I stand on this. Oh, yeah. Um, but, people but, but, have to believe, have to, belief, belief in anything, belief in yourself is extremely strong. Uh, and any sort of belief is, is, is extremely To believe that you're going to get better is extremely important uh, whenever you're ill. And if it helps you to pray to any particular God of your, your liking, then so be it. But I can never be drawn to the fact that it's always a Catholic... Um, deity that's uh, uh, brought the girl back to, or whatever person, back to good health. It always seems to be that way. I'm very sort of conveniently placed, you know. Maybe I'm a bit suspicious and dubious about it. Well, this is a Catholic country. I mean, although there are people who would tell, try to tell you that it isn't, it still is. I mean, you can go to a Catholic church, a Catholic mass very, very easily in this country, and you can't in Britain. Um, you know, I can, uh, I can tell you from living in Cornwall, it became increasingly more difficult to go to a mass. Although yeah. one of the interesting things that I've noticed over the last couple of, well, probably the last two years uh, first of all, you know, we, we had the closing of the churches, but then when they came back, we had a couple of black priests in the parishes, both this parish that I'm, uh, I go to here and the one in Denia. And I find that really, um, well, it's interesting. Nadamas, well, Nadamanus, you know. Why would you find that in 
black priest interesting? Well, because basically uh, we come from a tradition, especially the Irish and the uh, English, um, of going over to Africa and the missionaries going over to do their good work over in the continent of Africa. You, you what, don't... About, what about women priests and women popes and things? I'm not a big fan of it. I think that uh, once we have, have been given an instruction, I mean, all, all that we ever seem to do with whatever religion we uh, talk about is try and change rules and try and, I don't know, is it to do with the money again? I don't know. But all I do think is that... Power and money, mate. Power, it, if you've got the power, you'll get the money. Don't worry about that. Okay, I've got a little one about money coming up next, uh, okay. which is uh, this one here. Well, I thought we'd give you a couple of lighter ones, uh, although they're not always this light. A noteworthy requirement has emerged in the new animal welfare law. It's Law 7 for 2023, brought into effect in March of this year. Any ideas what this might be about? No idea. OK, well, uh, I think you've got a dog still. Would that be right? Uh, no, I haven't actually, no. Okay. I like a dog, but my wife would leave me if I come home with another dog. So. Oh, okay. Well, it's um, for me. It makes sense. The new law requires all dog owners to secure public liability insurance for each pet. Oh, yeah. And this obligation will come into effect on September the 29th of this year, marking a significant stride in enhancing pet protection. I would have thought it might also be there to make sure that, you know, if you've got a dog that um, you don't look after and it gets out and attacks somebody, I think it might protect one or two other people as well, mightn't it? Well, it can't be for any other reason, can it, Vince? No, if I wouldn't. you talk about uh, civil liability, yes. uh, liability for, a, uh, for an animal, it's yeah. for the damage that animal can cause or the injury that it can inflict. It's not really going to do an awful lot for him. Well, the way it was, um, the way it was written, you'd think it was all for the for the animal, really, all for the pooches. Yeah, yeah. no, but, it's it, it, well, good luck with that. I mean, how many people are actually going to to do that? Um, already, certain dogs, um, you have to have training to have certain dogs, like attack dogs and Alsatians and things like that. Um, in Spain, you have to have basically a personal license for you to own that type of dog. Well, I don't think that many people have actually got got those licenses because mm. um, the animals are just chucked out on the street, do their business and come back in again when they're finished. They don't really care. But they were starting to, um, to uh, quite a while back, so they must still be doing it, take uh, DNA samples from dog excrement. And uh, they were asking that all dogs would have a DNA sample registered at the town hall. So basically you could say, who's, who's done which poop? <laughs> But it's not a bad idea, especially if... Uh, no, it, but it, it was there. So whether it's actually, whether they've dropped it or whether they carried on, I don't know. I'll have to I'll have to talk to a dog owner. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, it, it's like, you know, if we're going out with uh, either of my sons uh, with the dog or whatever, um, you know, they will stop and they'll pick up. But you do see quite a lot of other people that really still don't bother. Um, they have their dogs off the lead, even though you know, you're supposed to walk around with leads. And, you know, I mean, it's the irresponsibility of it all. And if you look at the newspapers, I'm not talking about Spain with this one particularly, in the UK, I think they've had about 17 fatality this, this year with um, dogs attacking either their owners or people. And, you know, um, you know, any one is one too many, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, one of the guys uh, that, that uh, one of the companies I worked with uh, ended up in hospital uh, about six weeks ago. Through, he, I didn't know. He had uh, one of these American pit bull jobbies and decided to rub his face into the dog's face. And the dog decided to take his face off. Oof. Took his face off, literally. Oof. So uh, he's oh. having, his, having plastic surgery to have his face rebuilt. So, I mean, why... Why would you want to have an American pit bull? And immediately, all the American pit bull association of America and all the American pit bull owners will be screaming, saying, "There's nothing wrong with the dogs." Listen, any dog will savage anything. I don't care what you want to say. I mean, I worry because uh, my grandchildren have—they've uh, got a family pet. It's quite a big lump, as it happens. Yeah. And of course, they're—they're they're like you know, the youngest one's two and a half, so the animal tends to get pulled around a bit, and obviously. Um, restrains itself and, 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 and takes the, the abuse that the poor thing is getting. But my point is, there's a limit to how much 
abuse any animal will take and or catch anybody on the wrong side on the wrong day and that dog will turn and that is my worry and it, it, they won't change they'll have they'll keep the dog etc the dog's not going to go anywhere but it is a constant worry for me um part of the fact what is it with people who are like like their animals to lick their lips to Oof. lick their faces after they just clean the backside i mean now yeah. i can't get over that one well, I'm, I'm totally with you on that, by the way. I, I think that uh, it's uh, a hygienic thing which um, people just don't seem to understand. I mean, the fact that dog excrement can blind somebody, if um, yeah. you know, especially children. And, um, uh, you know, I remember when I lived in Lanuthea, we had, um, in the early days, so I'm going back quite a few years, we had somebody that had owned uh, a club in Benidorm, and this particular owner had got four Rottweilers. And I remember walking past this property this guy had, and there was like a loud crash. And the next minute, you know, we were walking past and we just turned to look at four faces looking above this door. And uh, he'd said to me previously, oh, just give us a knock any time you're going by. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought, yeah, that's exactly what I'll do. And then later on, not too far after that particular event, um, his, doc- his daughter turned up and uh, she had a finger missing. And apparently the the dogs had been involved in some sort of altercation and she'd stepped in to try and sort it out and lost her finger. So, yeah. yeah. No, shocking. Yeah, no, it's awful. It is. Listen, I love dogs. You know, that's why you inquired about... I've always had dogs. I just happened to have to have them last time. Yeah. That's had to be last one put down, bless him. He was old age, but he was... He uh, he had no quality of life anymore. Um, um, But so we've not had a dog since. I do miss a dog. I do like a dog. Uh, and I'm very friendly. I'm not afraid of any dog. Um, but I would never put my face near any dog, that's for sure. No. No, neither would I. Okay, here's the next one. And uh, we'll go... Well, we have a jingle first, I think. It's Europe calling with Terry Whitehead and Vince Tracy. Items in the news that you might have missed. Europe calling. Just going to go back uh, a week or so because... Um, this was in the paper, which I'm sure that, um, you know, some clarity might be good for listeners that are obviously not from Spain. Vox's uh, latest decision. Now, this was the party uh, extreme right, if you like. Uh, their latest decision may upturn Spanish, Spanish politics after offering the votes of the 33 Vox deputies in Congress to Fehu so that he can be sworn in as Prime Minister to prevent Spain from falling into the hands of all the enemies of Spain. This was going back just really a week or so um, when Vox offered the president of the Partido Popular, the the Spanish Conservatives, if you like, Alberto Núñez Feijú, the possibility to govern Spain without demanding anything in return to prevent Spain from being governed by Pedro Sánchez, along with a coalition made up of pro-independence Basque, and Catalan parties declaring a coalition between PSOE, that's the Labour Party, Sumar, which is the new sort of, well, all Labour, but a bit further to the left, possibly, Junts, which I believe is in the middle, Bildu, PNB and DRC. Um, when you look at the um, the politics, is it like the politics that seem to be involved in football promotions and things like that where you can you can get a result uh, but if you haven't got the money to maybe take your team into the Premier League you can sell it to somebody else it does that happen with the votes or is something else happening that um, maybe could be explained to our listeners well, there, there are a couple of well PP are a uh, reasonably amount short of of, um, of seats to to govern Spain so their their natural alliance would be with Vox, which is a far right party, quite a disagreeable party. But never mind. 
Um, so that's their natural. But there's still a handful of seats short then. So by going to um, some of the extremist parties that you mentioned or separatist parties uh, who said they'll lend their vote, but of course you know what happens. Yes, they'll lend their vote. So Feiju can be uh, installed as prime minister. And then the, the blackmail will start. There's no other word for it because they'll start blackmailing the PP party in as much as if you don't give us our little party in our little area, this, this and this, then we're going to vote against you in everything that comes up, um, which is basically what happened to the Socialist Party in the early part of their, uh, their reign, uh, the previous Socialist Party. So, yeah, yeah, it's going to happen. What, as you said, will happen. And what I've just said, I think, will also happen. And it'll fall apart and we'll all be going to the polls, or not me. Mm. All be going to the polls um, next um, December, probably, um, to, for round two of the election to see if uh, somebody can get a majority. It'll be an interesting one to have because the Socialists didn't lose as many seats as, in fact, they gained two seats in the crazy it was because they needed so many uh, um, borrowed uh, seats, shall we say, to govern the country. But they actually gained two seats in the election when everybody thought they would lose loads. The Vox Party thought they would win loads and lost virtually half of their uh, their, their seats. And the PP Party didn't quite come out with enough. So, yeah, the, the behind-the-scenes dealings with the smaller parties makes exactly what you're alluding to. The small parties are what govern Spain. This has happened on many occasions over the years where, where the smaller parties... Have, have ruled the roost. They, the tail wags the dog. Uh, I mean, it happened before with the, the Catalan party, the Catalan party. They only had about five or six seats. But it was enough for them to, to rule over the, the PP party at the time, going back a few years. Just... To the point that the, this Catalan party insisted that all signs at Madrid Airport be in Catalan, <laughs> which was promptly, promptly done. As you do when you want when you prostitute yourself to get seats, so it's going to be interesting for the for the people that listen listening in around the world. And um, we are from a system in the UK which was really first past the post, um, whereas here it's really not like that. I mean, you you can have um, the biggest party which I think the largest grouping of votes was, in fact, the Conservatives, the PP, I think, yeah. here in Spain. Uh, but yeah. by the time everybody else has joined together and, um, you know, uh, done the shenanigans, then obviously um, the coalitions will be stronger than the single party um, if if, yeah. if the bigger number of deputies is actually uh, thought through. Um, what about the second house here in Spain? Because whereas we have a clarity with the Houses of Parliament where you've got the Commons, which of course is basically there that we all vote on, and then we have these elected people who are supposed to put the brakes on being silly and you know do, doing making the wrong wrong decisions. Yeah. How do we have any blocks on things at the moment? anywhere because um you, you know it would appear that this could go on for months if you don't yeah it doesn't does it see it's a strange situation in spain they, they don't really seem to have power at all in the in the senate it, it's a, um it's, it's a weird a, a very weird sort of setup um over here um it's not a perfect setup it was they thought it was a perfect setup because obviously there was no uh, democracy under Franco, so they had plenty of times to, plenty of time to pull one together, pull the rabbit out of the hat, and come out with a with a a, a nearest perfect electoral system. Um, and it's quite weird the way it works, but it does seem to work. It just so happens at the minute, the same what's happening in the UK. Really, there are too many, too many parties, and when there's too many parties. The, odd, the smaller parties will always draw away some, some seats, some votes. And they've drawn away enough again this time, as they did before, to to stop any of the, the major parties, the two major parties, getting a majority. So either A, they chuck in their... They put themselves firmly behind the, one of the parties that's concerned, or they disappear. Well, Podemos disappeared, which was the party that was... 
up, holding up the previous Labour governments in, in Spain. They basically disappeared, um, which has left, left a void, which was smartly filled by the Sumar party, which is more of a centre-left party, um, which is what we need. I mean, the country needs, needs, needs more than two parties. Before, there was only ever two parties, the left and the right, the Conservatives and the Labour. There wasn't anybody else, basically. And over the years, these other smaller parties have, have grown up, have, have grown into existence, which is uh, in itself, from my point of view, a good idea. And I think in the UK will be a very good idea. But the danger is exactly what's happening now, is that when it comes to uh, to, to governing, you're not, you, you, you suddenly find you haven't got enough seats. Now, in France, they have a strange thing, don't they, that, the, the, the weaker parties bow out in the second, is it France? I think it is. In, in yeah, the they have a, a, like elections far, uh, probably similar to the Conservative Party um, when they're electing the, uh, the, the, the leader of the party yeah, and things like right. that. Yeah, exactly. It? Well, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Now, if, they did that, if they did that now in Spain, uh, with, the, with the, say, the Canal and another election now, but uh, all parties that didn't get X number of seats now drop out. In this uh, in this uh, new vote, then then you're going to see somebody govern. Then you're going to get a governing party. Mm -hmm. But of course, that means the disappearance of some of these parties, and they don't like that, do they? They don't like the, they don't like disappearing. So uh, it, it's it's interesting times that we live in. Put it that way. And yeah. I, I just predict there will be another election before December. As a business leader, Terry, has Sanchez done a good job? He's not done such a bad job as you would think. He's, 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 he's pulled a few rabbits out of the hat over the years. But certainly for businesses, he's done nothing really to help us. He bumped up the um, pension, which, of course, brings the pensioners behind him uh, quite conveniently. Um, thank you very much, Mr Sanchez. I've still yet to receive mine, by the way, Mr Sanchez. So you can pull your finger out, please. I'd like to receive my pension. Um, so he did that, but from a business point of view, no. But then again, nobody ever asked. The PP party, you would think, would be the, 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 the business party, but they never have been, not all the years I've been here. I've had loads and loads of promises and lies, which is, woo, a politician telling, prom, making promises and telling lies. It's loads of them, and that's it. They get into power, and that's the end of it. You, you lose it. But it's, um, no, there, there isn't, a, <laughs> there has been a party for businesses. Why? Because the bulk of businesses in Spain are very small businesses. I think I think officially it's got there's more small businessmen in Spain, and we're not talking stature, in Spain than any other country in Europe. Um, but once again, it's the big businesses which suck the lifeblood out of out of all of us. They control so much, and just like the rest of the world, it's got bigger and bigger and more powerful and more powerful. And something's got to be done to stop that. Yeah. OK, thanks for that, Terry. Let's move on with our next topic then. OK, well, I think I was probably uh, astonished when I started reading and listening to some of this. Um, it was in the news. It's dropped out of the news. And it was when Andy Malkinson learned that he could be charged for his bed and board during the 17 years he served in prison for a crime he did not commit. He was apoplectic, as you'd expect. For him, it crystallised the idea that something was rotten in fact, inhumane even, at the heart of the British justice system. I don't think even the Chinese do that to their prisoners. I remember thinking, I'd like to sit down with the architects of that rule and say, you are not chimpanzees, you are human beings. Can you not see this is morally, ethically wrong? It cemented something for me, a complete ignorance of the pain they've caused, the lack of empathy. For all those years, that was something they accused me of. Because I would not accept guilt, I was told you have no empathy, you must be a psychopath. All those things they threw at me, uh, and they were guilty of them, it is just over a week. Uh, nearly a week and a half now, uh, victim Andy of one of the greatest miscarriages of justice the UK has seen, had his rape conviction quashed, yet his fight for what he calls true justice, namely for those who put him behind bars to be held to account 
and for the system that allowed an innocent man to be treated thus. So, um, were you like me, rather astonished that they could even think of what they would, what they seem to be thinking of doing? No, well, that, well apparently that's what they have been doing. <clears throat> Not many people come out of jail once they go in there. Yeah. Um, and if he has been, which he was, he was convicted of a crime he didn't commit, then that's obviously bad form on behalf of the police and the, and the prosecution service that convicted him. They didn't do their job, did they? Now, whether they had the tools at hand at the time to convict him and the bits of information that they had was enough to convict him, I can only assume that's what's happened. But it makes you worry how many people are, are rotting in jails who shouldn't actually be there. Um, we all know if you've got enough money, you won't really have to go to jail anyway. But um, and, but to actually, obviously, they have to compensate him once they release him. But obviously, I never knew this like you, that the government will take away his board and lodging because, you know, the, the, the bean counters have decided, well, wait a minute, we fed him and, and kept the roof over his head for all those years. He didn't have to pay for that. So we'll take that out of his compensation with completely disregard of the fact, wait a minute, it shouldn't even been there in the first place, enjoying <laughs> your hospitality. Yeah. So the fact that it has been going on, and obviously it has been going on, is absolutely disgusting. I just, it's, it's unbelievable to, to, for that to happen. So, interesting. I'll tell you what, a, th a thought that came to me was that if they uh, maybe started fining the families, perhaps, of the people who are in jail, maybe a nominal amount, maybe by what they can afford to pay. I mean, you know the way that they can do these things. Um, maybe more families would maybe put a bit more pressure on their miscreants to um, not do what they have been doing. I mean, at the moment, uh, we have members of the black community in London um, and and elsewhere. I mean, let's be honest about it. Uh, you know, uh, I only point that out because of the fact that this has been going on since the 80s. Um, they, they have had this black on black problem. Um, I mean, if, if maybe some of these types of facts and figures were made a little bit more public and then actually adhered to, maybe we might get a little bit more ad adherence to the law. I don't know. Well, would that, would well, that... The, 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 the police force, for some reason, and the government, uh, are afraid of releasing figures. As I said before, if, if there were massive bands of Eskimos parading around or living in London, and attacking each other and occasionally attacking other people but mainly gang warfare eskimos i would be as as chief commissioner of the police i'll be instructing my police force to shake down every eskimo we can see because an awful lot of them are carrying weapons and there's a lot of lot of skullduggery going on um but apparently you can't do that because that's racist but if it's only Eskimo, Eskimos who are committing the crime, and they do look a bit different to other folk, hmm. easily spotted, why can they not be shaken down? Uh, it appears that you can't you can't do that. It's not to say that that uh, Aboriginals in London don't commit crime either. Um, crime will be will be widespread across across all races. But if you do happen to have a, a particular section of society. It's basically running running its own its own law law system by killing people and torturing people and savaging people, then surely that has to stop. That's hardly democratic, is it? So um, why the question to my mind is why are successive governments and police forces afraid to tackle the tackle the problem? Well, I just don't understand virtually any of the policing in the UK at the moment. I mean, for example, yesterday uh, there was a story in the papers that the police were uh, preparing to um, make sure that uh, there wasn't a spate of, um, of shop raiding because of something that was going through Internet. Uh, then you get the pictures coming through of what's actually happening in, I think it was Oxford Street in London, but it was one yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I mean, why would you not expect the, the police to immediately go in mob-handed and stop this from happening? You know, it's almost like they're in cahoots with some of these people at the moment. 
Well, I'm, I'm pleased they did. I obviously saw something going down on, on the internet. I mean, kids, a child's, a, a, a child. People's lives now are on a, a on a six inch by two inch screen. It's on their, wherever you go. You go out to a restaurant and you see people of all ages completely engrossed in their telephones. The art of conversation is gone. They're having a the conversation with someone on the end of a, of receiving a message off their telephone. Yeah. It's it, it's just banana, especially with kids. Great for kids. You've got kids, brilliant. Get them, a, get them some sort of laptop, some sort of tablet. Uh, there you go, switch it on, there you go. Now, our kids, it was always crayons and crayon books and a few little little toys that they like, and it seemed to work very, very well. But now, it's all down to that little screen that's in your pocket. And the wonderful gizmo it is, there's no doubt about it. It is an incredible piece of kit. But we don't know how to use it. That's the trouble, uh, especially when it comes to schools. The, the, no child should be allowed to go into school with a with a, a, a phone. All right, you go into school, but well, there's your locker. Stick it in that locker. It's a Faraday locker, so there can't be any signal getting into it. Um, and then you, you'll collect your phone on your way home from school. But because otherwise it's going off, they turn them up or it's buzzing in the pockets. And it's, it's, it's technology has come too quick yeah. for us to handle. Properly. I'd, also, I'd also say, Terry, that you shouldn't be having any telephones in the prisons. That's one place I would not have any prison. Well, I didn't think they did. <laughs> Apart from the one that put the money in at the end of the end of the corridor that you see on TV, I didn't. Think, I thought it was it was it was still uh, illegal to have any sort of mobile phone in it, any any direct communication with the outside world unless it's through the public uh, coin. Well, apparently the box at the end of the passage, they all seem to be able to get the phones in there, and I mean they've got all sorts of things. Well, they don't get anything and... in there. Listen, if you've got a massive drug trade in there, do you think that's getting in? That's flying in with pigeons. Yeah. So there's an awful lot of uh, warders, etc., that uh, are making a sideline. I'd imagine, um, you know, that needs sorting out. There's so many things need sorting out, Vince, in this world. And the trouble is, I'm getting so old now; I can't do it all on my own. Um, no, but it, it is, it is sad. And I don't know where you're going to start. I'd be honest with you; I'd start with the NHS in the UK. I'd start with that. Let's get everybody healthy again, shall we? And then we'll we'll have a go at the rest. But it's it's been allowed to go on. For, for decades, more and more and more, it's got worse and worse and worse. Um, the, the various uh, uh, troubles that we see now, shall we say, and it's, it's not going to get any better. It's, the longer you leave it, the harder it is to stop. So okay. somebody, you need some sort of government to come in and go, hang on, we're going to crack down on this, crack down on that, and this is how life's going to be from now on. Yeah. Okay, here's the next one. Okay, so this is uh, back in the UK. MPs are warning on the day that this article came out. Um, domestic violence victims are being controlled and coerced by smart tech in their homes, including security cameras and even baby monitors. Uh, these are the warnings given by the MPs. They call for the government to commit to taking action against tech abuse, claiming police are currently ill-equipped to deal with a uh, modern aspect of a long-standing issue. The report uh, is called Connected Tech, Smart or Sinister. It's by the Cross-Party Culture, Media and Sport Committee. Warned problems caused are likely to become even more prevalent in future as intelligent home systems become more widespread. So, your thoughts on that one? Well, listen. The, the phone that I'm talking to you on now has inside it everything that's sitting on my desk. It hasn't got a printer. If they don't work out getting a printer on the phone, I'll be quite happy. But everything that's on my desk now, I've got, I've got two computers, two screens, all manner of, uh, of gizmos and, and stuff that I use, and a lot more. I can actually watch television on my phone. I listen to the radio on the phone. I can do everything on my phone. I can operate the lights, apparently, from my phone, which are way too much knowledge for me. Um, but it's it, the phone is everything. So you, if you, the trouble is, having made the phone everything, you've now got to tell people, uh, we've made a mistake. Um, uh, we shouldn't actually have let you have this, this type of equipment because we're, 
we're all not ready for it. So uh, we're all going to have to we're going to have to take it off you now. Well, that, that's not going to happen, is it? It's it's going to be it's it's going to be a tussle. It's going to be a problem. And the, the value of, of, of most phones uh, are, are enormous. I mean, you, you've got a thousand quid's worth of phone in your hand that apparently six times a day has been snatched out of your wrist in London. Six times a day, they've been, they've been nicked from you. Just, just in London. Yeah. Um, it, it's, uh, was it six times an hour? I think it's six times more, an hour. More like six times an hour, yeah. Yeah, 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 I think it is. But anyway, either way, it's, it's a lot of money. You might as well have, have a, a thousand quid hanging out your back pocket and, and then wonder why, hang on, why has that been nicked? People, you've got to realise the, the, the temptation is there. You know, it's like people who wear a lot of jewellery. Well, they're only asking for trouble, but I'm good, sir. But, uh, but it, it, it is, but it's very powerful. It's a, it allows me to, to run my business from wherever I am in the world. I mean, tomorrow I've got to, I'll be two and a half hours inland from here in the middle of nowhere, and I can still run my business from with the phone. I can still be in contact with everybody. I can still get photographs from the building sites. I can uh, still talk to everybody. I can send messages to everybody. I can send pictures to everybody. I can operate my computer. I can do everything with it. And then that makes us all reliance on this little gizmo that I'm looking at. <laughs> so the people that control that, they're now going to become the people that are going to be controlling us. <laughs> and that's why governments are desperate to try and get some power back because uh, they've lost to the telephone companies. Well, as you know, I like to put my phone down and get away from it for a period of time every single day. Um, you know, as far as it can, the better. How, how, however, you see, I'm then maybe doing things on my computer. But at least I feel I'm in control of what I want to work with, do my, my stuff, and then go and get some fresh air, have a nice walk in the uh, along the beach or something like that. Uh, I agree, well done. Uh, a comment... Well, I can't do that. <laughs> well, a comment here... It's part of my business. If, if the phone was part of your business, you wouldn't be able to do it either. Well, I mean, we did used to have um, companies that were run by people not always being available. But, um, yeah, there's a for and against that. I'm going to go on with the next one. So, um, are we moving on up? Let's find out. Okay, try and get a few uh, lighter ones in. Maybe we'll see, despite the BBC Corporation's charter tasking it with providing distinctive output, it has been buying up huge amounts of shows for youngsters that were made in countries including Japan and the US. Uh, research shows about 60% of the animated shows for older children on the corporation's iPlayer service are foreign. For this age group, there are 285 hours worth of foreign cartoons compared with 84 hours of British-made content for older children. Analysis of the CBBC section of the corporation's streaming service. Um, as I'm reading that, my computer has just sent me a new screen, which I don't need, so I'll just get that out of the way completely. Um, you know, uh, basically, it's in, uh, revealing that it includes 125 hours of the popular Japanese series Pokemon. Uh, I must admit, every now and again, I do look at the uh, content of the animated cartoons. And the reason why I do this is because a friend of mine was ad adamant that there is danger in cartoons that a lot of things are already well into our culture indoctrinating children, even indoctrinating adults who can't bother to see what they're being indoctrinated by. So, um, cartoons for you, friend or foe? Love them. Love them to death. But when years ago when they said they're going to have to stop Tom and Jerry because it's violence and we can't, have, we can't show the kids violence, as if they haven't got enough in, on the front of them and their TV screens every day anyway. Um, so, uh, no, I love cartoons. I think it's a great way to, to escape them. I'm very, very, very look at them nowadays. 
but uh, I think it's great escapism. And uh, actually, having the having the benefit of having little grandchildren around me recently, occasionally it was suggested I should find some cartoons and shove on the telly to keep them quiet, and it works. And so I'm, then I'm, I'm getting engrossed in the cartoon that's on the channel. Oh, this is nice. And of course, the, the quality of the cartoons nowadays are fantastic. Uh, really are good. Um, to where I am promoting cartoons. Never okay. thought we doing that. This is interesting <laughs> because I went to a christening not so long ago and uh, the adults, as you'd expect, were outside and the kids were inside watching some cartoons. So I thought I'll go and enjoy seeing what the kids are up to. So I popped my head in. And there was some nice music going on and um, I was looking at the kids having a little bit of a dance. And then um, I looked at the words that were coming up because they had the subtitles on. And the next thing is I realised the song that they were dancing along to was an Antichrist song, which was by Lady Gaga. And unfortunately, uh, you leave your kids in front of the screens brainwashing them. Um, are you going to tell me that there's no connection between the way kids have been growing up and the fact that the adults, many of them, don't even monitor what they've been looking at and watching? Because I think there's a huge, huge area for research there, myself. Well, it's well. The, the problem used to be with subliminal messages in uh, same thing programs. Uh, you, you, you can blip, you can blip subliminal messages into into young minds. So. Um, I hope they've got a control of that one. This is all old hat. This was, this was donkeys years ago. So I just hope uh, that they have got control of that nowadays. But uh, it'd be very boring if they hadn't. Well, I don't think they have, and, and so much so that I've actually written to prime ministers over this. I've written to David Cameron. I've written to um, uh, Margaret Thatcher. Um, basically, uh, you know, it's obvious, isn't it? I mean, if I'm going to learn and be told that you can give yourself a good message and cure yourself of a problem, um, then, uh, you know, by, by my hypnotherapy training and no knowledge of that particular uh, su subject, then obviously the same in reverse can go. If you give yourself a bad message, that can will and will have the effect, which I think a lot of what goes on in society is actually showing us. Um, you know, I was trying to get funding to research the words of songs at one time, um, and again, you know, they didn't want to know, but uh, I believe that that's where you'll find a lot of the words, for example, of the rappers. If you uh, watch the crowds at the likes of Glastonbury and other festivals singing, they all know these words. And yet, how many of them probably understand just how horrible many of the words are? I think there's a lot of things that uh, governments and people who really should know better don't know enough about. That's my feeling. Yeah, but I think this big on for donkey's years. Oh yeah, um, it has. It has. The, the, you know, we all should sing along with the with the words that we thought were being said, with the uh, by the artist. Now you get now you get all the words on the internet, I suppose. But before we have to listen to the the the, the, the record being played, and normally they were quite well well spoken. You could work out what the words were, and we'd sing along, and so you'd sing along with it. But I, I can't. It wasn't really until older age and, and perhaps picking the guitar up and singing myself that you start to digest the words that were being sung and some of them were a bit strange to say the least uh, either by accident or by, by on, on purpose but um so i guess it's always happened really but it is it, it's a sad world innocence doesn't exist anymore that's that's the sad part of everything when i look at my little grandchildren i think well you know how long are you going to be innocent for well, yeah. you can't be. Because the minute they get to school, they're going to be told there's there's something and leggy different types of gender. And are you sure you want to be a boy? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, their innocence is gone. It, and it's going to be a sad world, I'm afraid. Well, I think even more um, innocuous is if you, and I don't watch it all the time. So every now and again, I will look at what my wife is looking at on the soaps, Coronation Streets. So uh, you'll find if you look for the evidence, there is very, very submersive and uh, work on the subconscious going on even and probably not just even in all the soaps. And if you look at the way that society has changed, you wonder, is it a reflection of what is really happening or is it a promotion? And I 
I'm now coming down on the side that I think it has been promoted. And sadly, I remember listening and watching very recently good comedian Jason Manford. And he was uh, going through all the um, cartoons that um, have problems with parents and parents getting killed and parents being killed off. And if you remember my comments about um, a certain country and, and the way that they've been trying to break the family, I think this is totally in line with all of that. But it's so simple, but you don't look for it. So when you don't look for it, you don't see it. But if you do look for it, it's all there, Terry. Yeah, but you don't know if your granddad's Arthur or Martha. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 this is ridiculous. They, they, I'd say if, they just, just, if they're going to stop with anything... Stop with the gender things at the minute. Let's just roll that one back. Uh, let's just carry on. But being for, but for my little grandson to, to a couple of years' time to be going to his first school and then to be asked, you, you, you want to be a boy? Would you like to be a girl? Do you think you're a girl? Would you like to wear a dress? Do you want to play with this dolly? I don't... It's just... It, it's nonsensical. It's... Well, there's a better word for it. It's evil. Completely evil. And we've all been brainwashed to accept it. Totally brainwashed to accept this, 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 the idea of wokeness. What the hell is wokeness? For God's well, sake? you know, we don't because basically you and I, we talk about this every week. You know, the thing is, I see it for what it is quite clearly. There is no doubt in my mind. Uh, and when we mention a particular country and it's maybe derivatives of the word of the country, how many times do we find that the um, artificial intelligence picks up and we have a problem with the equipment? I mean, that's happening all the time now, uh, not just with us. It's happening with other podcasts. So, you know, there's something much bigger uh, than what we've even mentioned in this particular podcast that a lot of people would be I would think I think it would be good for them to see whether or not once they know what they're looking for, maybe they'll see it better. But I mean, you never used to have um, all the woke ideas in the likes of Coronation Street, Emmerdale Farm. You'd have all society. It was a reflection on society. That's what well, it was. Well, yeah, I'm totally concerned because obviously the 25 people that live in my street, I haven't got six gay people. So there's something wrong. Somebody, in fact, there's nobody coloured in my street thinking about it. Well, look at no the Chinese. They're all right with that one. There's no Chinese in the soaps. But when we look at the percentages, I mean, I, I gave you the percentages the other week. Um, you know, uh, the transgender lot in the UK, 0.03 of a percent. As much as that. <laughs> well, there we go. Yeah, I mean, that's the comment that says it all, doesn't it? Because basically for all the fuss, for all the parliamentary stuff, for all the uh, stuff going through the police and the uh, judiciary and everything else and the schools, how on earth with that percentage can you justify that when you look, you at, the, when you look you at the gay there's, population? There's far more important things in life we should be paying attention to. Well, the, only, the, the, only, the only group that seems to have this in hand is the Olympic Committee. They've ruled out the idea of having different gender races and God knows what else. You know, if you've got a meat and two veg, you're in that pack. If you haven't, you're in that pack. Uh, and that's it. Thank you. Let's bring it on. Um, and if you want to call yourself one side or the other, don't think of a monkey's. If you're genetically that way, then that's who you run with. And if you're not, you you run with that one over there. Don't tell me that you're actually, no, you should be running the other with the other party. That's not going to happen. So the Olympic Committee came down very quickly on that. Uh, though curiously, they um, they recently just backed the idea. What was the name? The black girl, um, the, the 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 runner, the, the African sprinter. Not not. Uh, uh, yeah, I I can't remember the name. The only one I can remember is probably Zola Bud, which was a long time no, ago. No, no, the, the the black girl who who. who um, has extremely high testosterone. Oh, yes. Yeah, I do know the girl that you're talking about. Yeah, you know, I'll never forget her what's her name. <laughs> but it, it's... it's um, th th They've actually gone back on that now. They said that she can run with the women because uh, I think they maybe put a limit on the amount of testosterone in a system that she could have. But before they were talking about it, she had to reduce the testosterone. But now, that, if I remember rightly, they said that, that, that she can run. So she's basically, basically going to beat everybody. Um, so uh, there's a little. That's the only thing. But other than that, the Olympic Committee, 
I think we should be taking uh, a good look at what they're doing and, and apply the same. I wish they would, Terry. That's the one thing I would love to happen. Okay, I've well, got a... Down to you and me and everybody else that's listening. If we don't do anything about it, nothing will happen. I'm totally with you. Let me give you something lighter for our last one. It's something from Spain. And maybe it's something you don't know about. Now, we were talking last week about the area uh, it's between Spain and France and uh, Navarra um, is made up of the Roncal and Bertus uh, valleys. They are formed by the Navarrese towns of Ustaroth, uh, Isaba, Uthrincai and Garde, uh, it looks like, uh, which do sound very Basque in their names, actually. It's all right for you to say that. <laughs> On the French side, they include the French municipalities of Arrette, Aramitz, uh, Ferds, Lan, Ans and Issue. Tradition says that around 1373, so we're going to go back a bit for this, the constant disputes over the use of springs and border pastures between Spain and France caused a violent escalation. Now, as a result of this, a resident of the Naravarese town of Isaba um, ended up being killed. So to settle the dispute in 1375, the French and the Navarrese resolved that the former um, should deliver three cattle to the latter every July the 13th. This still goes on. Did you know about this? No, well, I've not received any cattle at all. Well, um, the tribute has been continued from that day to the present, which makes it the oldest valid treaty in Europe. And when the exchange takes place at Piedra de San Martin, the mayors of all ten municipalities are in attendance. The mayor of Isaba asks the French a question. Are you willing to pay the tribute, tribute of the three cows with the same teeth, coat and horns as in previous years? After the affirmative response of the French officials, the ten mayors place their right hand on the stone of San Martin and recite the phrase Pax Avant, Pax Avant, Pax Avant, as a symbol of fraternity and peace between the peoples from both sides of the border. Now, oh, is, isn't that a good idea? Oh, why can't the rest of the world learn to live in peace like that? Well, and it costs you three cattle. I mean, for, a whip round for that. For the for the price of three cows, I think um, that would be quite an innovative way of looking at it for me. Well, well, yeah, bring it on. Yeah, bring it on. Oh, then again, you're up at the Hindu race now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Let's just finish by a quick word off uh, everything we've been talking about. Uh, did you see the game between the English ladies and the Nigerian national team? Oh, for... I did. Right. Okay. Did you see the stamping of the... I did. And, and she should be sent home. She should be. Of course she should. I mean, obviously. Uh, and then to have Gary Lineker actually say that it was like David Beckham's uh, 1980. Yeah, well, he should have been sent home as well. And that, it's, she's got to go. Yeah. Listen, you get red cards. for The two two yellow cards, you get a red. Sometimes you get a straight red, like what she got. But because, you know, a tackle's gone a bit right. Sometimes you can be a bit wild with the tackle and get it wrong. It can be an, can be an accident. That isn't an accident. That's that's GBH. She should have been. If I was her manager, I'd have packed her on the plane that night and sent her back. Yeah, myself. I would have taken the decision and sent her back. She's she's as good a player as she is. That is the, exactly what you don't want to be teaching kids. Good. And, you, and she has to be made an example of, and, and send her back is the only thing they. And they should have done that themselves that evening. Yeah. I would. Good. I'm glad we feel the same way on that one. And then oh, just as a supplementary question from that same uh, game, did you see the penalty shootout? I did. <laughs> and did you see the Nigerian impersonation of Johnny Wilkinson? Yeah. She forgot, forgot what game she was playing. I've but, never... Uh, yeah, we don't, I, 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 listen. But obviously, it was very clear... That England were playing to get to penalties. Uh, they knew they hadn't got it in them to beat them over 90 or 120 minutes. And that's going to be a problem for England in the forthcoming matches. They knew they hadn't got the strength to beat Nigeria. But they knew they had the strength to beat them up from the penalty spot. So the whole game was to drag that game out into penalties. And they did very well to do that. You know, if you win a cricket match because of the rain, because it starts, cricket match because it starts raining, then uh, I think that's all fair as well. 
think England, unless they can pop their ideas up, they'll be going home next round. Yes, I've got to say, uh, be interesting to see how Spain get on against Netherlands. Um, Terry, mm. once again, uh, we've had a very interesting hour. Hope you've found a few of the topics a little bit different oh, yeah. to normal. Very interesting. And uh, obviously, thank you very much, Dean. We'll catch you next week. Igualmente, señor. Nos vemos la semana que viene. Muchísimas gracias. De nada.